just so wonderful. Um, but I, I don't enjoy, one, being in front of people, like I'm, I'm kind of introverted, so I don't like attention. But two, um, I don't feel worthy. Like we were singing about that. Like the Lord is always the one who should get credit. Um, anything that I do, I, I actually feel like I don't do a whole lot a lot of the times. And now some of you are thinking, maybe we shouldn't have given him that gift. Um, and I really don't. I mean, it's really just the Lord moving. And um, I think when we get behind him and let him be in charge, great things happen. Um, but also, I don't feel worthy because there are a lot of people who do a lot of things that don't get a whole lot of credit. And three of them were on the stage this morning. Um, Cindy, I don't know if you know, but Cindy like comes here and she leaves on Sundays and then she kind of rolls back in on Monday morning and does the same thing. Uh, and leads on, on Mondays as well. And I'm incredibly grateful. And I, I said to her this morning, I was like, if you've got a lot going on and you can't be here, and like, it's okay, we'll figure it out on a Monday. And she's like, no, 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 this is life I love to serve. Like, this is like, this is life-giving for me. And um, that's just a real blessing. So we're thankful. And and Luke plays every week. I don't even know where he is. He's, oh, there he is. And um, he is a real special guy. And um, like in a really positive way, I'm not saying like, uh, like you're really special and um, he is incredibly talented. I'm not sure if you know that or not, but he's really talented and um, he comes every week. He is like stable every single week and we are incredibly grateful for you. And then Dottie stepped out probably because she knew I was going to talk about her too, but um, I don't know if you know, she takes time every week to plan this. She doesn't get paid for that or anything. She's got like a really demanding job, but she does it um, just because she loves you and she loves the Lord. And so she puts the set list together every week and then she gets here early every week and, um, and she's just amazing. So I'm just really grateful for those three. Thank you for, for all you do. Um, so I, we're, where are we? 12, okay. One other person I would call out and I, I, I realize... Um, I have a ton of time. While I'm saying this, maybe turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Um, but is Scott, uh, Scott Landis, he, he, uh, we wouldn't be where we are right now if it weren't for him stepping in the gap uh, last year and leading our church through a really, some really turbulent waters. And um, he did it with a great deal of grace and wisdom and humility. And uh, he is a quiet guy that doesn't want a lot of attention, um, but we wouldn't be where we are without you, man. And, um, and I wouldn't be who I am without you being my friend. And so we are, we are quite thankful for you. So, um, I, uh, Okay, so we're in Colossians chapter 3, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about families this morning. And work. Um, and so uh, we're going to look at verses 18 of chapter 3 through chapter 4, verse 1. And uh, if, you, if you have a Bible, turn there. Let me go ahead and pray for us. And then we'll read that section and, and chat about it a, a little bit. So, um, Father, we thank you again this morning for one another. We, we thank you for the community that you're building here among us because um, we know that uh, we are, um, Paul tells us, I think it's 2 Corinthians, that we're built into this temple uh, together um, where your spirit dwells, that your spirit does not just dwell in us individually, but somehow, miraculous, mysteriously, almost more fully together as a people. And so we get to know you even better by being together than just by knowing you individually. And so we, we thank you for the gift of our community. 
And um, we would just humbly ask this morning as we study your word um, that you would be moving in a powerful way um, so that we can know you better and love you more and, um, and more faithfully live for you. So, uh, Lord, this time is yours, and we would just ask that you'd move through it, um, that your word would change us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, so this is what Paul writes to, to the Colossians um, in chapter 3, starting in verse 18. Um, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I thought about stopping there and then realized I would not be going home tonight if I did. Um, so we're going to continue forward. Before we get too excited about that, gentlemen, um, he goes on and says in verse 19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Kate and Maggie, listen to this one. Everybody else's children, every parents are poking their kids. Listen, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. But parents, before we get too excited about that, also remember he says in verse 21, fathers, and I, I think he's not just speaking to fathers, but parents, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not when, when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Um, I think to maybe... We have to read all of this in context, right? And so Paul has been speaking, among lots of other things, about the supremacy of Christ in the book of Colossians, the importance of Christ. Um, and um, he, he, last week we ended with verse 17, and I think that's probably key as we read through um, this text for today. And in verse 17, he, he ended that section last week with, um, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. And thanks to Tim, by the way, for preaching last week. Um, really appreciated that, man. That was, it was just really spirit-filled. Um, and so he says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Um, we, Paul goes on then in verses 18, 3.18 to 4.1 to kind of expound upon how we are to live our family lives and our, our work lives in light of Jesus, in light of who he is in our lives and what he expects of us. Uh, and, 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 and how whatever we do, whether word or deed at home or in the marketplace or wherever we find ourselves, we are to do it for him. Um, giving thanks to the Father in, in, in everything. And, and so he's going on, and we're going to look a little bit how, how do we um, live for Jesus in the name of Jesus in our homes and in, in, in our workplaces. Um, Paul begins by focusing here on the, uh, members of the, of the family um, and how we're to carry out our roles at home um, in a way that would bring, bring glory to Jesus in a way that would, that would please him. Um, I... Uh, There's a couple things I, I really want to focus in on, um, but 
I guess to begin, I'd like to go back to Mark chapter 10. Um, and um, what Jesus said there, um, he said in, in verses 43, kind of the second part of that, to 45 of Mark chapter 10, he said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and in John chapter 13, Jesus is at the Last Supper. And, and during that time, things are closing out. Jesus kind of puts a, a towel around him and he takes this water and he goes around and he washes each of his disciples' feet, which is, which is the job of a slave. In the household, this is not the job of the master, the leader, um, the teacher, um, the rabbi, certainly. But he does it anyway. He goes around, and then in, in verse 14, he, he's he's basically there living out what he said to do in Mark chapter 10. But in verse 14 of John 13, and and following, Jesus says this. He says, "Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet." This is really important. It's really important. Because we're not going to get anything from the rest of chapter 3 if we don't get this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus is saying that here in John 13 and Mark 10, he's setting us an example of service to those who are perceived by society as, as, supposed, as who are supposed to be serving us. He's flipping like the societal roles on their head. And interesting, the same thing then begins to happen here in, in Colossians chapter 3 as, as, we, as we read through this. Um, they're, they're just so related to what Jesus is, is teaching us in John 13 and, and Mark 10. Essentially there, Jesus is saying, I'm in charge of you, and as such, I'm commanding you to do what I do, which is serve those who are supposed to be serving you. In other words, your positional authority should never go to your head. Anybody ever have that experience? This is another reason why I don't like being recognized in front of people. Because there is like, that happens for leaders so much. And you can keep, keep me in check on this. Like, feel free to keep me like, in a loving way in check on this. But like, so often like, leaders start to think more of themselves than they should. I was saying some somebody the other day, said like, some good things are happening at Living Legacy. I said, they are but I have no desire to build a kingdom. Like, for me. I have no desire to see our church blow up into like a thousand member church. I do have a desire to see us engage sacrificially and with a servant's heart engaging our community and recreating ourselves all over the place. But I have no desire to be about me because that's not the way Jesus has designed this to work. The way he's designed it to work is for me to serve you and you to serve me and us to each other and to go out in the community and serve those who should be serving us. It's like sacrificial service. 
And that's the context that we should read chapter 3, verses 18 to 4, 1 in. Wives are to submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands are to love your wives and, and not, to be, not to be harsh with them. Outside of our relationship with Christ, marriage is the most foundational and influential relationship we can ever have with another person. And as such, it is hard to overstate its importance to us personally and corporately as a church. Um, we have to take our marriages seriously. And married the institution, and if we're not married, take the institution of marriage seriously. Because if we don't, it will irreparably harm our church in ways that we can't even possibly imagine. Because it is so foundational. So foundational. And because it's the design God has established. So, God makes this clear from the very beginning. We've probably talked about this before, but even in Genesis 2, the, you know, the two become one. Um, the relationship of husband and wife is like so intimate. It's so intimate. It's so important in God's sight that, that two people are no longer two people, but they become one, one person. There's, it's just, it's, it's hard to describe. Anyways, it's really important. And, and here, wives, Paul is saying to wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, submit to your wives. The health and function of this place, of our families, does not happen unless we are living the way God has designed it to live. If I, my car needs oil every once in a while, every 10,000 miles, I have to take it in for an oil change, and it takes this really, unfortunately, this really expensive, like, synthetic oil. So if I go to the if I go to change it myself, which I should never do, by the way, like, but if I would go to change it myself and I put 5W30, just regular motor oil in it, that's not, that's, it's not synthetic, it's just regular motor oil in it, my car, in a very short period of time, the engine is probably going to fail. It's going to wear down, it's going to break down, and then it is going to fail because I am, I am not using the oil that is designed for my engine in my engine, and when I break the design, it breaks. And that is what happens with our churches, our marriages, when we don't live by the design, it breaks, and they break. I don't know if you know this, but during biblical times, it was pretty common for husbands to be pretty harsh on their wives, to not treat them with respect and dignity and not to love them, but to almost use them. And... Um, we look, I think we often look at this and think in verse 18, wives submit to your husbands. That just seems so harsh, so wrong. Um, and we don't really take into account how counter... We think that's so countercultural, but we don't take into account when he was writing this to the Colossians, how countercultural it was for a husband to actually love his wife, to actually value his wife to care for and cherish his wife. And I actually probably think we don't take into account how countercultural it is still today for a husband to do that. Um, 
we are not just to give our wives flowers. We're not just to provide a roof. We're not just to keep from speaking negatively about her when we're with other people. We are to be consumed as husbands with making out, I'm pointing to her because she's mine. <laughs> I won't do this for your wives, but like to make her feel like she is the most important person in the world and to treat her like a queen, to put her on a pedestal, to make her feel, to make her feel more important than ourselves by the way we live and act and treat them. We are to love our wives. We, and we are not to be harsh with them. We, this was completely countercultural for, for the, Colossian, the Colossians in their context. And, and, and something interesting, I think, happens when we love our wives in this way, um, gentlemen. I think that they naturally want to love us back. If, you, if you're struggling in your marriage and you're just not clicking like with your wife... Don't leave it up to her to try to make the clicking start to work. You start to do anything and everything you can to dote on her and love on her and make her feel most important. You, even if she never, never responds, God gets so much glory and it is just such a wonderful act of worship to love her even if she doesn't respond to you. But generally, there, there are outliers for sure, for sure, but generally, when we love another person like that, they naturally spawn back. And um, it may take time, but generally that happens. And generally, wives will come back and, and submit. And that, I think we probably, I don't want to get into like a great detailed discussion of, of what that idea of, of submission is. But in the Greek, it was custom, which is the language the Bible is written. It was customarily used as a military term, um, meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. And it could also be used in non-military fashion as um, a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. I like both of those descriptions of of submission. Um, it's hard to operate an organization if you have two or more people who are in charge. I don't know if you ever noticed that. But the best organizations, the, the best ones, are the ones where the person who is in charge is living to serve the people who are serving them. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Like it, it, The worst ones to work in are the ones where the leader just lords it over everybody else and uses everybody in the organization for themselves. This is what, in light of what Jesus said in John 13 and in Mark 10, this is how the home life is to work. Each one is sacrificially serving the other and loving the other in such a way there's like this, this thing going on where everybody's taken care of, but nobody's thinking of themselves. And it works beautifully when, when everybody's doing their job in that way. And I don't know if you notice, but it never says the husband is better than the wife or the wife is less than the husband. Nobody is more important or less important. 
in a car example, my tires aren't any more important than my engine. I don't have one of them. I don't go anywhere. Same is true in the home. Nobody is more important or less important. Everybody is equally important. And when we do our jobs well, and we live to serve each other, things seem to flow. And I focus more on the husbands this morning because I, I think... Um, Biblically, the burden is more on us than anybody else in our homes. If we're not doing our job, chances are things don't work out as well. If we do our job well, chances are things are going to work out better. Um, but the buck has to stop somewhere in the buck. We need to step up. In the home, in the church, like they're kind of one and the same. Um, and too often... The people who are stepping up, the reason I focus on husbands more is because too often the people who are stepping up are the ladies and not us. Um, And I think if we really want to see things kick into gear, we need to just do a better job of that, guys. So, So anyway, wives are to submit to husbands, yes, but husbands are to desperately love their wives. And then it says this wonderful thing that children are to obey their parents and everything. For this pleases the Lord. But that really, <laughs> that sometimes that's not going to happen no matter what parents do. I get that. Um, but that's probably not going to happen real well across the board unless the parents get their job straight. And in verse 21, he says, Do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Um, I... Uh, In our home, I, I'm not, spoiler, I'm not a perfect dad. I, um, I am far from it. I mess up a lot. Um, I, I have realized as my children are growing that the way I loved them five years ago is not an appropriate way to love them now. And I think that as parents, we are wise to realize that... Um, we shouldn't provoke or embitter our... What provokes or embitters our children now may not have five years ago, and it may not you know, in the future as well because they're changing, and we need to change... The way we parent them and love them and support them needs to, to change in the ways that, that they change. Um, I, uh, last week, um, was confronted by Dottie because um, I, I have a tendency to kind of like tease people. Jackie knows nothing about this. Yeah, so um, uh, some of you, the people I love most get teased the most. It seems really backwards, but for some reason it's just the way it is. And so I was teasing Maggie, and I I just have realized uh, Dottie confronted me and said, you know, she just does, she used to get that and be okay with it, but she's changing. She doesn't, respond to that as well anymore. And actually, it's become more hurtful than it has become helpful. And it doesn't help her to know that you love her. It hurts her. And um, I uh, realized that in that small way, I was embittering my child. And parents, we all do this in a variety of ways. Um, The best thing I think we can do when we get into that situation is not close up and harden our hearts and just not do it anymore. But So what I did is I went to Maggie and asked her to forgive me and apologize for what I was doing and said that I was going to change. Um, 
And that has been really hard. <laughs> like, even over a few days, right? I still f- fail at it sometimes, but I'm trying. And I think as parents, that, that, is, that is how God would want us to act. And we're not going to be perfect, but when we realize that we're, we're somehow embittering our child, hurting our child, we need to back up, ask them to forgive us, and then try to change and not do it anymore. Um, so as parents, you don't have to be perfect, but we have to try to pursue it. And, um, and then children, I think what we see is when we do that, they respond. When a child knows that you love them, they respond to that. And are they going to be perfect? Absolutely not. We're not perfect, and we shouldn't expect them to be perfect. But they're going to want to obey you more if they know the, the more that they know you love them and have their best interest in mind. So, um, serve Serve not just your wife or your husband, but wrap a towel around you, grab a bowl of water, and wash your children's feet as well. They need to know that while they are younger, and in some respects, you are in a, you are many respects, you are an authority over them. You don't live just for them to serve you. You want to serve them. So. Um, I'm sure they'll take me up on that later. Um, so then, then he kind of breaks from family and he goes into this slaves and masters discussion. None of you have slaves, I hope. Like, and if you do, then we've got major problems. But like, so like we start reading through this, we're like, well, we don't have slaves, we don't have masters anymore. How do we apply this? But we do have bosses, and some of us are employees, um, or some of us are our bosses and have employees. And so this is really applicable. What, what he's telling us here about slaves and masters. And um, we're not going to belabor this too much, but um, he kind of gives them the same instructions that he gives parents for children and husbands for wives and wives for, for husbands. Um, he, he, he says that we are to, to, to treat either our masters or our slaves in a way that the Lord would approve. In verses 23 and 4.1. To work in regard to our counterpart as if we are working for God, not for them. And I think that we could apply this um, to how you respond to your teachers as well. If you're a student, um, it, it, would, it would probably be a similar a- application. Um, if you have even like a mean teacher or if you have a mean boss or you have an employee that is not really doing their job. This all is very... Very applicable. In other words, what Paul is getting at here is that we shouldn't be working if we're an employee for our boss or for our master only because it's a spiritual duty, but but we are really supposed to be working for them because it is what God wants us to do. And we are not supposed to be working for the reward that a teacher or a boss gives us at the end of the day, we're not working for that. We're actually, what we should be working for is the reward that God gives us. <clears throat> and in the end, the quality of our work is not determined. This is really important. The quality of the work that you offer should not be determined by how well your boss treats you or by how hard your employees work for you how your teacher treats you, or any, any of that, it should be determined by the fact that you are working for God. 
And He deserves the best all the time. I know some of you are probably in very difficult working situations, um, but I can't imagine it's any worse than working for a terrible slave owner. Paul is telling slaves that are literally owned by other people who are not being paid for their work that they need to work hard for their masters. Not just when their masters are looking, but all the time because at the end of the day, they're not really working for the master. They're working for God. If he can say that to slaves, I think that that applies to us as well. Working for people, for managers, and for other bosses, and for teachers. So, um, I, um, all this stuff, this, this working for the Lord, not for bosses, um, working you know, for the Lord, not for the employees, um, and then the way that he talks about husbands and wives and children and parents, um, and all of this, did you notice that nowhere, nowhere does Paul say you should love or respect or honor or submit or work for some or someone else based on how they treat you? He says we should do it regardless of how we are treated. No excuses. Here's the thing. How might our church, how might our families, how might our workplaces, how might our community be different if we actually lived like that? Like you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, right? I know, anybody ever struggle with something like that? What is is many of our natural reaction when that happens? We honk the horn. Does anybody ever say anything? Like, I think we do. I mean, sometimes you say it out loud. Sometimes you say it in your head. The horn is not actually meant to, like, be angry with, right? It's meant to warn people. But, like, we use it to express our anger. And, like, how might our community change if we began to, re- to live differently? To not, not live in response to other people, but just live how we're supposed to live regardless of how we're treated. We'd probably stop honking. We'd probably stop yelling. If somebody, if somebody doesn't treat us well at work, another coworker or a manager, it doesn't mean that there won't be repercussions for that person. But we may be people. We would be people of grace and mercy towards them, and it would it would totally change the dynamic of the situation. I'm sure. What might happen in our homes? What might happen if if you're in a situation where your spouse is not reciprocating what you're doing, but you continue to do your job? And some of you are doing that. How might that change? We might be surprised at how that changes, not just our relationship. It might go on for years and decades like that, but it might change other people around us as they see us living like that. We are nowhere told that we are supposed to live this way only if we get treated such and such a way. But we are to live this way regardless of how we're treated. We are to treat everyone well. We, we watched a movie yesterday called Wonder. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. You've seen it? Yeah, some of our yeah, students, yeah, I've seen it. It's a really good, really good movie. You saw it? All right, very good. Yeah, it's a good movie. And it's about this little boy who... Um, has a disability. He, his his face has some disfigurement. He just he does not look like every other boy in his class. Because of it, he wears this astronaut helmet for a while, and then they 
and he's not he's homeschooled, I believe, for a while, and then they finally get him into a school and he's not wearing anymore. It's his journey um, of acceptance. Um, but it's pretty neat to see at the very end of the movie he gets this award, some type of like leadership award. And basically the idea that the the person giving the award says his leadership is 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 not just about what what you get other people to accomplish, but what living your life, a good life, in the midst of other people, what it does to change other people inside and, and how that affects them to live differently. And you just see throughout the movie how this, this young boy, living and loving people and, 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 and being himself in, in the midst of this school has changed his, the kids in his grade. And, and I think that is what Paul is kind of arguing for here, or at least that is the result of what Paul is arguing for here. Remember, the Colossians are living in a society that is, is, is not Christian. People aren't believers in Jesus. They're not followers of Jesus. They're not disciples of Jesus. And if anything, they're probably more hostile to it, or at least ambivalent to it. And, 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 and they don't live like the Christians live. And when they live like this, they're going to be different. They're going to stand out like that boy in the movie. And I think the hope for us is, as we live differently, this is borne out biblically across the board, but as we live differently, we become like these bright shining stars in the darkness. We become salt and light. We, 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 we stand out in our community, and by standing out, we bring glory to God. And that bit of glory that we bring to God in those moments of life where we live for Him, regardless of how we're treated, can be used by God in the power of the Holy Spirit to change our community, to change our world, to change our families, to change our church. And I think, I'm not trying to say that's going to be easy. Living counterculturally is not easy. It's a slog. It's like hard work. It's, it's thankless work. It's painful work. But going back to where we started this morning, the beginning of the service, before God spoke to me, um, that's why we have each other. That's why God designed the church the way he did. Because as we're living like this, our windshield begins to get filled up with water and we don't see as clearly when we get into the, the really difficult parts of life. And when that happens, we need brothers and sisters to act like windshield wipers to clear our perspective, to hold us accountable, to push us forward, to continue to live for Jesus even when other people aren't reciprocating to love our spouses, to submit to our spouses, to serve our children, to serve our bosses, to serve our employees who, who don't appreciate it. We need each other to keep pushing ourselves forward so that when we live like that in the midst of the darkness of our world, men and women and children will see our good deeds and will glorify our God in heaven. At the end of the day, 
Bill says this a lot. You. Bears repeating, your life is not about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your enjoyment. It's not about your happiness. Your life is about Jesus. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We must love our husbands. We must love our wives. We must love our children. We must love our employees. We must love our bosses. And we must serve all of them sacrificially because it is not about us. It is about Him. And when we do life like that, He gets the glory He deserves. Will you pray with me? Father, um, I know this morning that um, many of us are in situations that are incredibly difficult. Um, Some of it is in a workplace. Some of it's in a home. Some of it's out in the community. Some of it's just a, a personal struggle that we have going on. And Lord, I would just humbly ask in Jesus' name, as we talked about in youth this morning, that, that we would live much like Joseph, with our eyes fixed on you, God. And um, so that um, our world, when it, it revolves around you, um, and it throws us some really difficult things, we don't get discouraged, we don't get disheartened, we don't give up, we don't lose hope, but we continue to have hope because our eyes are on you, because our life is about you, not about us. And so whatever happens to us is kind of really not all that consequential if you are getting the glory you deserve. And we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, for those of us who are struggling right now, that we would be an encouragement to each other, that we'd be um, strength for each other, that we would carry one another, that we would supply and support one another so that we can continue to run the race that's marked out for us. And that we wouldn't grow weary and we wouldn't lose heart, but that we could keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. Please help us to keep each other's eyes fixed on you. To act like a Jehoiada to Joash. Lord, please let, let us be a people that carry one another, that support and push one another, so that the entirety of who we are as living legacy can be about you. We love you, and we thank you, and we pray particularly this morning that in our homes and our workplaces, we would magnify you by living for those who are maybe who are in our midst, for our spouses, for our children, for our bosses, for our employees, so that you would get the glory that you deserve. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.